0: Welcome to the Wheel of Sports, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me is... Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. Hello Ian. Hi Matt. It's uh, We'll get the wheel spinning but Matt... I'll get it going. People will know a previous guest of the show, uh, Craig Bowes, who uh, was on the Newcastle-Sunderland Two Tribes episode quite a while ago. I met up with him, he's recently had a baby. He was describing going to the hospital to see the birth and driving on the Melbourne streets. And he said, I was driving like Nigel Mansell. (laughs) What what an outdated reference it is, mate. (laughs) I keep keep thinking about it. I met him about three, four weeks ago, and I keep thinking the words Nigel Mansell just come to the forefront of my mind. So, well, it did prompt me to think maybe we should do an episode on old Nigel um, as an influential race driver. But my God, like Craig is the same age as me, you know, <laughs> Nigel Mansell. <laughs> Even like Michael Schumacher would seem outdated. That's great. You know, <laughs> Nigel Mansell. So anyway, uh the wheel has stopped spinning long ago, Matt. It so did. what's the topic? It did. And it's one of a kind. One of a kind? Oh, Matt. I think uh I think I might take this one, Matt. Um, Absolutely. I'm going to going to go back to uh 1911. Okay. The wheel of history is back. <laughs> 1911, um a young baby girl is born named Mildred. Mildred is born to Norwegian immigrant parents. She grows up in a place called Port Arthur in Texas and she's one of six children. They're dirt poor, they're struggling to get by, not not much food around, struggling to keep a roof over their head. Their father's like a, a, a carpenter on the sh- on ships before he came to America. He like went around the Cape, you know, t- uh, over 10 times. He, he's obviously lived a fairly interesting life and he's got these kids in, in a new country and Mildred is is uh loses her name mildred really because her mother refers to her most often as babe babe grows up she gets a bit as most kids do she gets a bit older and and when she gets to high school she starts showing some sporting prowess now matt this is a very familiar tale on some of the wheeler sports that we do that People show sporting prowess, and it turns out they're quite good at sport. Yes. (laughs) But but this this story, if you stick with it, this is the most bonkers story of one person. It's almost like I'm going to tell a story of many different people all compacted into one person's life. I'll, I'll try my best here, Matt, but the starting point... Um, for babe and she later became uh known and became famous as babe didrickson and then later when she married her husband she became babe didrick babe zaharias now i'm just gonna call her babe because i like that i feel like a scouse mum. (laughs) are you babe you are right, babe? So, <laughs> I, her mother was from Norway, so I doubt she was, maybe she'd spend some time in Liverpool, but um, I'll call her babe. So, in high school, babe was playing basketball. Now, she was so good at basketball that in the day, Matt, in, this is in the 1920s, so she is so good at basketball that, Rather than, she doesn't turn professional because there's no like women's professional scene. But Mm -hmm. what there is, is there's amateur tournaments around, but you can't be paid for those. Amateur sport is still a dominant force in across the world. And obviously the Olympics is still amateur at this point as well. So she gets a job when she's 15. So an insurance company, local insurance company says, we'll pay you to be a secretary and just on the side if you could play basketball for us that'd be great (laughs) so 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 she's she becomes a sec a secretary but she's starts competing in basketball turns out she's rather good at it so the
1: insurance company's part of a a work league or something, is it?
0: Yeah, so they kind of get, you know, a bit of uh, kudos and it, there's like regional competitions and stuff and they basically compete ag- against different companies and things. So it's it's obviously uh, just a, uh, you know, quite a curious historical thing, I suppose, because it, you know, it doesn't really happen today. It's certainly not in that format. Mm. Um, it's common for, you know, sports teams to be sponsored by a company but not yeah. actually, you know. It's almost like it's almost like a scholarship. Mm-hmm. It's like they've given her a scholarship, isn't it? It's like you know, but it's not. Uh, it's a job. <laughs> you have to actually work um, rather than go to university. But probably the turning point and where, where she really lands on the map here, Matt, is in 1932. So she competes at the Amateur Athletic Union Championships. Basically what it is, it's lots of different teams from the different companies and they compete against each other and her team wins. Her team wins actually quite convincingly. This could be the whole story for the next half hour, Matt, mm-hmm. on its own. Her team wins convincingly. The team that finished second have 20 teammates and they finish second they lose by a gap of thirty to twenty-two points. So clearly defeated into second place with twenty team members. Yeah. Now Babe goes up to collect the winner's medal and they say Where's the rest of your team? And she says it's just me. What? <laughs> she <laughs> there's ten events, Matt. She's competed in eight events over three hours. (laughs) So within three hours of of the list, like, Big Sports Day, she's competed in eight events. She won five of them outright. She tied first on the sixth one. She also created four new world records.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is... That's hard to get your head around.
0: So So the world records apparently were in javelin, the eighty metre hurdles, a high jump, and the no no this is no longer an Olympic sport, Matt, but a baseball throw. <laughs> <laughs> but she threw the baseball like over two hundred yards. It's like crazy. Like two hundred and eighty yards or something it was. So in, in three hours
1: she she's just turned up and it's like it's like having your dad take part in the sports day or something when you're, when you're six yeah, years old. Yeah, and you, yeah, and your
0: dad happens to be Carl Lewis, you know, like <laughs> Daley Thompson. You know, <laughs> it's it's really hard to imagine uh, somebody having that level of of drive as well. And this what comes out in this story is that Babe, she kind of has a real desire to be front of the pack, not just winning the events, but also to be top dog in terms of entertaining the crowd, everybody noticing her, being the center of attention. She's really, really just wants to be out there. And so you would think that if you were doing some sort of sport event with work, you'd let other people have a go, you know, even if they weren't that good. Yeah. Just to kind of oil the wheels, you know, like, but she doesn't, she, she doesn't care whether anybody's offended. She doesn't care that she's just smashing everybody, like absolutely wiping the floor with everyone. But this is obviously an Olympic year, Matt, 1932, and the Olympics are in Los Angeles. And they're the next month. So, She's called up to go. She's she's put herself right on the radar, and she qualifies for six events, but she's only allowed to compete in three. I was going to say, yeah, you can't you
1: can't just represent your country in every every sport. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, and the three she she chooses is she chooses the eighty meter hurdles, which was the hundred yard hurdles, the javelin which was new that year for women, and the high jump. She wins gold in the hurdles, breaks a world record in the in the heat. Then she breaks that world record in the final. Fantastic. <laughs> and then she throws the javelin, breaks the Olympic record, and wins gold. Then she does the high jump. And the high jump's a bit of an interesting one because... What happens is that she and her countryman, Gene Schilly, they've both cleared 1.62 meters and they're going for a new world record of 1.65 meters, which is five feet four and three quarter inches. So they both clear it on their first attempt, but then the bars raised another two centimeters and neither of them can jump it. So they have three attempts at it and neither of them can get over. But the gold medal is awarded to Gene Shilley um, because they judges, The only way that they can split it is that Babe's last jump, she they deem it to be illegal. So they say, well, you you went head first over where you, so it was a legal jump. You shouldn't be allowed to do it. Um, and that's the only way they split her. So sh- she effectively won gold in that as well. She just won silver by her, really, and equals the world record yeah so, so, so this is in um just a couple of months what you thought after this is obviously she has got a massive career ahead of her and perhaps she's going to go to the berlin olympics in 36 she's just going to be everywhere mm. and it turns out That she was everywhere, Matt, because after you've won two gold medals and a silver at the Olympics, her first ever Olympics. And let's just note as well, she's the first and only ever athlete, male or female, to win individual Olympic medals in separate running, throwing and jumping events. I was going to say that because they're quite different
1: skills that she's using there. It's not like she's she's in a running and the hurdles or something like she's gone pretty pretty wide range.
0: Yeah, and you look at the you know the body size and stuff, body shape, and that's required for the different disciplines as well. Is is quite different um, when you watch the modern Olympics. So the follow up to this, Matt, this is where the story gets pretty interesting quite quickly because she goes back home. She packs her bags and she does the most natural thing for a, a, a gold medalist. She joins Vaudeville. What's Vaudeville? <laughs> it's a thea- the theater. It's she joins like a theater tour and goes on tour, uh, doing tap dancing, playing a harmonica, <laughs> singing some songs. What? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Matt, she even gets a record cut. Mercury Records. She (laughs) Singing?
1: Yes. Okay. I mean, that's not where I thought this story was going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is so much about this story. We've only just got started. So she's holding loads
1: of world records and decides, as an athlete, and then says, right, I'm going to
0: be a singer and a tap dancer. Yeah. She just loves the... um, the attention. She loves the spotlight. Biggest selling song was I Felt a Little Teardrop with a detour on the flip side. <laughs> As you know, I did look it up on Spotify, couldn't find it. Uh, <laughs> so, which is devastated. And she goes around and she's doing these vaudeville shows. She is also, Matt, uh, and this is back from her school days. She was also uh, very competitive. Very competitive, whatever she did. But when she was a kid, she used to compete in sewing competitions. Okay. So for the vaudeville and stuff, she she's apparently an exceptional seamstress. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and would she would she would she invite punters to sew against her or something and? <laughs> Yeah, yeah
0: I presume I don't you know the Great British uh, sewing bee is on TV uh, as a TV show. I imagine it would be similar to that but apparently her needlework was gold medal standard. Right. Um and when she was a secretary she actually could type a a very uh, respectable 86 words per minute as well which was uh, on the old typewriters as well. Very good. So you can see anything she does she's she's competitive at even theatre even cutting records part of it's down to obviously a heritage you know and Norwegian father being a uh, you know out at the sea um probably helps you know learn the harmonica and, and know quite a few uh you know folk tunes and hillbilly tunes from growing up in Texas but the next thing for her, Matt is she's on tour she obviously likes the money going out and about is seeing people recognising in her face, knowing who she is, calling her name. And she starts to be a bit of a draw card for the vaudeville. But also, she jumps over and she starts to learn how to play baseball. Okay. Why not? <laughs> she can already throw it. So many... <laughs> yeah. So she, beco- so she learns how to be- play baseball and she becomes the first ever female to pitch in Major League Baseball wow Now, if you think about that that is so daunting to me that you're going to throw a ball at a professional baseball hitter who could probably kill you you know (laughs) swing that big ball back at you Mm. and they you know these guys they can just hit it for miles yeah and she's facing up to them and she obviously got just the fearless attitude and bravery and she ended up um, she pitched like three or four innings in Major League Baseball and was pretty good as she struck one of the guys out <laughs> she actually got one of them out one of the pros and she goes and joins a team a bit like the Harlem Globetrotters where they travel the US and she's billed on a posters as you know the see this female Um, pitch the ball you know is this like almost like a a freak show type of thing you know just like a wow you've never seen anything like this before
1: but she wasn't competing in in the major league baseball that was a woman at this point surely
0: no absolutely not and um on that point when you kind of look back although we're having a bit of a laugh that she you know joined vaudeville and and she's you know joining this like um baseball team and going on tour it's, it is kind of a reflection of the times that women were seen as a novelty in sport. And at, well, probably at best, they were seen as a novelty. At worst, they were seen as a threat. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, this was upsetting society. This was upsetting norms. And to see an athlete like Babe, who was, you know, quite muscular, strong, she, she wasn't afraid of just being, being herself, you know, um, she she wasn't going out there, you know, wearing high heels and making her hair look all nice and putting lipstick on. She was just she was there as a as an athlete, mm-hmm. you know, and that was very confronting to a lot of particularly a lot of sports journalists who were writing at the time. Some of them were quite abusive towards her. Um, they they're almost quite confused about her. They didn't know whether to celebrate her as a sportswoman and an athlete or whether to deride her. It was it's really interesting that she so when you actually look back at it, you kind of think, well, maybe she just was kind of forced to do alternative yeah. things rather than just stay in one sport and become really good at it because there just wasn't the avenue for it. Um, and so, yeah, she spent some time playing baseball. It, it's amazing throughout the story that she just happens to be really good At everything. (laughs) So she's great at basketball as a kid, great at track and field when she tries it. She learns how to play baseball, brilliant at it. She decides that probably the route for her, naturally, Matt, is to learn how to play golf. Okay, right, sure. (laughs) Why not? So she, so she learns how to play golf. The, again, probably the reason behind this is that she's assessed where she could probably make some money and where she would find the most respect as an athlete, as a sports person.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, it's it's pretty charmed just to be able to choose, though, isn't it? You can't like I couldn't just choose to to get paid to play golf. Like, I can't just make that decision. I think someone
0: will pay me to play golf like yeah well she kind of plays for a bit of fun learns it uh 1932 she learns how to play golf um and she starts becoming very good at it by 1935 she's actually got got sponsorship and endorsements but that kind of has a negative effect because it means that she can't play amateur tournaments and most of the tournaments are amateur because now she's classed as a pro yes. because she's taken endorsements. So she actually, later in her career, she, she actually tries to get rid of the professional title and so she can open up to more tournaments, mm-hmm. which she does. But in the meantime, she falls in love when she's playing golf. She's uh, playing a tournament and she's paired up with a, with a guy and she's playing mainly against men. And she then she's playing in some female only tournaments. But she's paired up with this guy, and he's a like a 235 pound Greek wrestler. <laughs> he's uh I've gotta get this right, Matt. He he was known as the weeping Greek from Cripple Creek. That's how he was billed <laughs> when he came into the ring. <laughs> Amazing. So George Zaharius fell in love with Babe and they got ma- they dated and then they got married about 11 months later and he became her manager, her coach and he l- really looked after her in terms of her career and so on and she starts to compete in golf to the point where her average drive was around 240 yards wow now to put that into context on the PGA circuit by 2003 the average drive is 286 yards.
1: That's re- that is really incredible with the modern technology and everything.
0: Yeah, oversized clubs, graphite like shafts, titanium technology and all that. That wasn't the case in uh back in uh Babe's day. And by by 1946 she's winning so much. She actually wins 18 consecutive tournaments. Over a career, she's she wins 82 golf tournaments. 36 of them are professional. She travels over to England and Scotland and she plays golf there. She plays in the British Amateur Open uh, for women and is the first American to win. She is just becoming an absolute force in golf, in sewing. Apparently, she's brilliant at ballroom dancing as well, Matt. Nobody wants... wow. <laughs> Nobody wanted to play her at Gin Rummy. (laughs) 86 words per minute. Seamstress. Champion. (laughs) She can play basketball, track and field. Golf, 240-yard average. Winning everything out of sight. She even, Matt, gets the job in a top film called Pat and Mike, where the star is Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. And she comes to blows with uh, C- Catherine Hepburn who's the star of the film in Hollywood. She comes to blows with her because the Catherine Hepburn is playing a character who is not dissimilar to the real life babe. So Catherine Hepburn being this Hollywood star, it's written in the script that Catherine Hepburn's character plays golf and wins the tournament. Babe says I'm not losing. <laughs> in the film, she said I'm not I'm not going to be in it if I lose. And so that's crazy. So they actually let her they rewrite the script and let her win. What? That's mad. <laughs> so so it, it it comes back a bit to, you know, she doesn't care who she annoys. She doesn't care who she burns. She's just got to win. And she...
1: I mean, that's ridiculous, though, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> she finds out uh, when she's about age 43 that she's got cancer. Uh, and it's told that if she has the operation... Uh, to cure the cancer or to make also suppress the cancer that she'll never play golf again. And she decides to go ahead with the treatment with the notion that she's going to be completely determined to return playing golf. <laughs> so uh, her husband, George as well at this time, he's, he's been looking after a he's not in particularly good health he's he's a very big he was obviously a big wrestler but because he's dedicated yeah. his time to be basically being her manager and coach and everything he's um he's put on a lot of weight himself uh in fact babe said um to one of her friends she said when i married him he was a greek god now he's just the greek <laughs> <laughs> give you a little insight oh, to how brutal uh she could be i reckon and interestingly not god anymore yeah and interestingly on the women's golf tour she meets this lady betty dodd and they become very very close friends now let's put this in the context of the time matt when uh lgbtiq plus uh communities weren't as celebrated um it's most likely that Betty Dodd uh, and Babe were lovers. Uh, she was still married to George, but Betty kind of just was with her all the time. And there's photographs of the three of them together, like lots of photographs of the three of them together. So it's kind of an interesting um, situation there. And there's, in the modern day, in modern America, there's um there's been some acknowledgement of her of Babe potentially being a um an ambassador for the LGBTIQ plus community. Um but that you know it's hard to see it in the context of the time really, because it's hard to confirm uh what exactly was going on and probably None of our business. Um, but, yeah. but, but it's clear that she had this friendship. She was close with Betty Dodd, um, who was obviously very supportive when she was ill. And she she falls ill, has that uh, operation. And, you know, it's significant, Matt. She's, it means that she has a colostomy bag. Uh, she's really weak. Um, and it's taken a lot out of her. But in the following months... Uh, She decides that she's going to enter the U.S. Women's Open. Now, this is in 1954. Um, She wins by 12 shots. (laughs) 12 12 strokes ahead, she wins. Matt, she's playing over the course of four days with a colostomy bag. Wow. Isn't that just the craziest thing?
1: 12 shots alone is, is is really dominant isn't it <laughs> it's it's
0: early days tiger woods isn't it It it's yeah. absolutely <sighs> wow. insane and you know people might say she did get a bit of uh you know ah oh, well you know she, she could just drive it she was just power she was all power but you don't mm. win by 12 strokes in golf by pure power it's like you know you as the saying goes you drive for show you put for dough Apparently her short game was like really excellent around the green. Her deafness, her touch was really super, but I can't on a personal level. I just can't imagine what that would have been like to, you know, be conscious that you could have an accident while you're out. You've got this colostomy bag, just that playing on your mind, but it just shows what a absolute winner she is. Like she's so determined. Mm. Um, yeah, champion yeah and you know people say that she might not have been champion at all of these things but she was played to such a high standard tennis swimming billiards boxing volleyball handball bowling skating cycling they said early on in her career they said is there anything you don't play and she said yeah with dolls <laughs> that's incredible what a line.
1: Oh, wow. That's excellent.
0: That's Yeah, excellent. and to also, when she was playing golf, and you got to see it, golf was so twee back then, you know, like probably the, the most prominent female, Joyce Weatherhead. She was a British golfer, but she was very elegant, very um, prim and proper, you know, very well-dressed, very sweet, played a very graceful game. And they said you know to um babe how how do you drive so far how do you drive the ball so far and she said sometimes you have got to loosen your girdle and let it rip <laughs> nice <laughs> and when even when she was on tour with that for baseball a team
1: she old babe isn't she <laughs>
0: yeah i mean when she was uh playing with the baseball team like all the baseball team um all the males had beards and one one of the women shouted at Babe and said, Um, where are your whiskers? And she said, I'm the same as you, sitting on them like every other woman.
1: <laughs> wow. it's, a,
0: it's not often there's a nineteen thirties pubic hair joke is that That
1: is fantastic. <laughs> Sound
0: bite there, so just Good unbelievable like her, her whole life, basketball, track and field, golf, film, <laughs> baseball, vaudeville, 82 golf tournaments won, world records, gold medals, just unbelievable. And she was a five foot six. She was pretty muscular, but she was, yes, yeah, she was five foot six. She wasn't, uh, you know, a giant. Giant, no. Um, just uh, such a determined character but um, sadly Matt she died at age 45 Uh, the cancer returned and she she didn't beat it a second time but in between her first diagnosis and her death one thing that she did do which was hugely significant for the time was that she spoke about her diagnosis she spoke about her cancer. She spoke about her treatment. She went on TV and talked about it. And that was massively taboo at the time. People didn't talk about cancer. People didn't talk about getting diagnosed, about mm. having to wear a colostomy bag, about all of those you know things that come along with it. And yeah. so she, she really did have a significant impact, I think, on on many people, which we probably couldn't measure, Um you know, added, or add that on to, uh, just the fact that she was a woman winning gold medals, beating men all over the place, yeah, <laughs> just, like, you know, um, and just being a symbol. It wasn't like she was out there, you know, as part of a feminist movement or anything. It was just that she was just being herself. And, and that was kind of, uh, just, uh, incredible impact. So when I sat down to research this, I didn't know whether to focus on a tap dancing or a basketball or a sewing, but there she is. So that is the story, Matt, of Babe, Deidrickson, Saharius.
1: Fantastic. What a story, Ian. Thanks so much for
0: sharing that. I didn't know any of that.
1: I've never heard of her before. But <laughs> incredible athlete, incredible, incredible sound bites as well. Love those. Thank you very much, listener, for, for joining us once again on The Wheel of Sport. Uh, please do get in touch with the show. Uh, so you can reach us via email at thewheelofsport@gmail.com at or at Instagram or Twitter. At the wheel of sport,
0: perfect, Matt. I'm off to get the sewing machine out. <laughs> I'm off to drive.
1: <laughs> Some people have just got the talent, don't they? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Here,
0: here we are, like two idiots making a podcast <laughs> and reading about their achievements, and their life was cut tragically short. But there we go. Thanks, babe. I've got you, babe.